0: Um we uh, we're we're in the we're in the middle of winter and it has been a, a mild winter and I'm I'm grateful for that. I'm a warm weather kid. Um but winter, you know, these, these days they're short. Uh finally we're getting to the place where uh when I leave the office uh it's not it's not dark uh yet and I'm grateful for that. But in wintertime darkness it lasts a long time. Uh it gets very cold at times. Uh, the beauty of nature is gone, and there certainly is a, cert- there is a, a beauty to winter, but if, you look, if you're looking for beauty from life, you don't see that as much, uh, and uh, uh, it just represents, this season represents that we have winter in our lives. There's suffering that takes place in our lives, and, and I just felt pressed for this week that we needed to talk through a little bit about a theology of suffering. Because people have, well, first of all, just people in general uh, have all kinds of worldviews about suffering. But Christians even have some worldviews that aren't biblical. Uh, and so we want, to, we want to take a look at it. Um, one, one thought process would be along the lines of, I'm a, I'm a good Christian if bad things don't happen to me. Or, if I'm good, bad things won't happen to me. Uh, and that is a type of a prosperity theology. Uh, a health and wealth uh, mindset, Um, and and we'll even talk, I mean, there's some uh, some people in the realm of word of faith uh, would fall in that kind of a category of prosperity theology, but the other um, primary uh, thought process that also would be unbiblical is that God is a good God if bad things don't happen to me. So one of them has to do with with you, it's like, okay, I, I must be bad if bad things are happening or I must be good if good things are happening, and both of those are not good uh, are, are not good assumptions to have. But the other one, uh, this other one, has to do with who God is. That God, if He's really good, bad things aren't going to ha- happen to me. And whereas the other one is a prosperity theology, this one is a man centered theology, which you could call it an anthropocentric theology, or you could say man centered, uh, rather than uh, rather than having a a life where you say this this history and what what is happening around us and what even happens in my life it 's all about god 's story, way before it 's about my story. Your story is important it 's important to God, but life is not about your story, and so it 's vital that we become people that we surrender under the sovereignty of God and we understand suffering in, in proper proper ways. Um, talking a little bit about even prosperity theology. One theologian named Scott McKnight, he said this. He said, let's begin with some frankness. For the, prosperity, for the prosperity gospel, God could be seen as the vending machine God. Put in faith and out pops blessings, money, home, cars, beautiful spouses, clever kids, good neighbors, big churches, and plush vacations. For the prosperity gospel, humans are the happiness machine. Receive the blessings. Rely on the promises, act on the commandments, and you can put on a happy, happy face, a big one. Every day from the moment you get up to the closing of your eyes, happiness is the aim of life. In the prosperity gospel, God is there for us, and we are here for God to bless. Mary J. Blige, she's, I don't know if she's a Christian at all, but she said something that espoused something very close. Uh, this is actually found on Wikipedia on her. said, my God... Is a God who wants me to have things. He wants me to bling. He wants me to to be the hottest thing on the block. I don't know what God. I don't know what kind of God the rest of y'all are serving, but the God I serve says, "Mary, you need to be the hottest thing this year, and I'm going to make sure you're doing that." That is what the prosperity theology is, and and really even just the man centered theology has a lot of has a lot of uh, hints toward that. Both of these mindsets are flawed. We must have a biblical theology of suffering. Let's pray and we're going to dive in. God, I pray that, you will, uh, that you'll come in and that you'll bring a crushing uh, to our minds and our hearts, even to our experiences, Lord, that you would bring a filter, that you would do some purification within us today, Lord, that we would be able to see the lenses that we look through, God. Normally we don't. It's hard to see the glass that we look through, but yet, God, if the glass is tainted, if it's stained, Lord, then we don't have a correct view of of you, of our world, or even ourselves. So, God, would you point out our lenses today? Would you show us where we are in our theology of suffering, and will you do some corrective measures? May we be encouraged when we see it lines up with Scripture but God, may we be convicted and free to repent, Lord, not crushed in a condemnation, but crushed in a way, God, that brings a freedom, Lord, to us. So do a great work today in Sojourn Church, in Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you some, some examples um, of, of where we get some of the biblical context for understanding suffering. Uh, one comes from Daniel 16, we're actually not going to read, read from this section, but this Daniel 16 is the story of King Darius, and the law came about that King Darius had to be bowed before as a god, and Daniel took stand and said, "No, not going to do it." Um, Daniel's enemies they they uh, turned him in, and King Darius had his hand really forced to throw Daniel into the den of lions. Right? If you know this story, he was thrown into the den of lions. Uh, and all night long, there was hungry lions, but yet none of them attacked uh, Daniel. And so the next day, he was, he was let out. Uh, and ultimately, the enemies of Daniel were thrown into the den of lions, and the mouths weren't closed. They opened right up. Okay? Two important things that, that, we, that happened that we need to take note of in that story is, number one, the lions' mouths were closed. God did that in the midst of... In the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the circumstance, here, God shut it, sh- he shut it down and protected, protected Daniel. Okay? He did that. Number two, Daniel's enemies were immediately punished. Now, this is a perfect story for prosperity theolo- theologians to pull out and, and to say, this is what God does. He does this all the time. You can trust that God is going to always shut the lion's mouth, and you can trust he's always going to get your enemies Right on, to, right on the end of it. In fact, he'll throw some kind of irony in there. Well, he, he'll use, use even what they wanted you to be, what you were going to be killed with, they would be killed with. And sometimes that is what God chooses to do. Sometimes God shuts the, the, the mouth of the lion. And sometimes your enemies are immediately punished. Let me give you an example number two. Also from Daniel, but from Daniel chapter 3, another story you guys will know. We're not going to read it. King Nebuchadnezzar... Uh, was one that, uh, they were, again, they were, they were forced. They told people they must worship and bow down before pagan gods. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they would not compromise. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. Now, what happened there, I, I am going to read a, a couple of verses to you. Daniel 3, verses 17 to 18, and verse 25. First of all, before they were thrown in, this is what, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, they said, if this be so, that, that means you're going to throw us in the, into, the, into the fire. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. So they were in faith. They said, look, you throw us in there, we believe God is going to shut the lion's mouth. God is going to do something miraculous to where we will not, we will not burn. But then... Something very important that that he said, that they said. They said, "But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up." Now, um, they were thrown in there, uh, and and just they were just walking around. They looked down there, and, and uh, they, I mean, there was guys that they actually died stoking this thing. It was that hot, and yet these guys were in there. And finally, verse twenty-five said this, he, he answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. We don't know exactly who this was. It could have been an angel. I believe it was Jesus himself in his pre-incarnate form. I think Jesus was the one that he came and he walked in among them. Regardless, God himself, his presence was with them. And so two important things to learn about suffering from that story is, number one, Jesus is always with you in the middle of the fire, in the middle of the suffering. He's there with you. He's not absent. He's not outside the furnace. He's not way up behind on a cloud looking down and seeing what's going on. He's in the middle of it with you. Secondly is to note, just as they, they said correctly in verse 18... That God is sovereign sovereign, and, no mat- and he's good no matter what happens next. Did you hear that? That God is both sovereign and good no matter what happens next. That is a key to understanding suffering when you have a sovereign God. Is to say, all right, God, no matter what happens next, you're good and you're sovereign. All right? So, again, sometimes God closes the mouth of the lion Sometimes God will keep you from being burned in the middle of the fire, but sometimes God crushes you. Old Testament prophets were talked about in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 36 to 38. It's just a portion of this great chapter, but check this out. Others saw, suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and were in imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Now, hold on just a second. That doesn't sound like very prosperous ways for, for Old Testament God guys, does it? To be mocked, to be, to be flogged. How about you get thrown, you get locked into a, into, a, uh, into a tree trunk, and then they saw you, and it's not a magician, right? That's not a very good deal, is it? Doesn't sound like a very good protector or guardian, does it? They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. Verse 38. Of whom the world was not worthy. Of whom the world was not worthy. So, God himself is telling us through this book of Hebrews that look, godly men and godly women, they suffer. And they suffer a lot. I, 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 um, I don't know them very well, but one of the one of my friends that's a pastor and a leader in the Acts 29 network, Matt Chandler, uh, just a short time ago you know, had brain cancer. And this is a guy that, I mean, if you know John Piper, and John Piper is, a, we, we consider him a, an adjunct professor of this church, as well as a few other guys. And, and, and Piper basically said, I'm handing the baton of what God has placed in my lap, I'm handing it to Matt Chandler. And he did it right about the time of this brain cancer. And one of the things that, that Matt has said in the middle of all this is like, you know what, it's probably not going to end up the way you think it is. Just talking about life in general, what your expectations are. It's probably not going to end up the way that you think. God crushes at times. You will be crushed if you are his child. You will. You will, you will suffer for Christ. Acts 9, 15 to 16 God speaking to Ananias about Saul, who was about to become Paul, said, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Guys, next to Jesus, the one that I think was the character that had the most influence of all of Christianity is Paul. And God said, look, before he was even saved, he said, look, I have chosen this guy. And part of the things I've chosen for him is some tremendous suffering. But it's not suffering that's just going to be for suffering's sake. It's going to be for the sake of my name. God's up there with staff in hand, with ring, signet ring on his finger, saying, I've ordained the suffering of this man. They're suffering that you have walked through that God has said, I've ordained it. There's suffering that's ahead of you that God has said, I've ordained it. Is all suffering good? No. There's much suffering that comes from sin and wickedness. And the sin and the wickedness is horrible. And yet in the middle of, in the, middle of the wickedness and the sin and the oppression, God is so big that he can use that and he can turn that around and he can use it for his namesake. He can and so I challenge you, even right now, even as you might, look at, you might look at the last 10 years of your life, you might look at the last 10 days of your life and say, Dave, if you just knew, if you just knew what, what I've done or what's been done to me, especially the things where you're just like, Dave, you just wouldn't believe, I, I, there's just no way I could believe God could forgive me for that. Not only is God a forgiving God, God's one that can take the ashes and can bring beauty out. Um, there's a few books, if you want to study more about martyrs, first of all is the Bible. Um, read through the New Testament, read through the Old Testament, uh, of what people actually walked through for the sake of God. Some others, though, uh, a classic book called Fox's Book of Martyrs um, will open up your eyes. So a, a book that is very close to that, um, uh, but it's, it's, more, it's more current. So I don't know, 15 years ago was uh, Jesus Freak's. Uh, that tells stories of martyrs, people that walk through things for Christ um, online there 's a voice of the martyrs, um, an amazing ministry that that tells um, that tells about people especially today, people that are being martyred for Christ um, if you would like if you 'd like to, to get something that 's uh, lower on the tree to where it 's just very easy for you to uh, to take and be a, make a, a Devotion for you or maybe even your family is a book called On This Day by uh, Robert Morgan. It's one we use, I don't know, several times a week in our family devotions uh, where 365 things and most of it, it is stories of, of people uh, that, um, that have been used by God through, through their suffering. It's tremendous and especially the more you hear stories of other people that suffer, the more you say, okay, this is, this is normal. This is a part of the broken world and broken people. And be reminded that God can use it. And so what I, what I challenge you with is that, that you would embrace suffering. That's hard to do. It's kind of like hugging a cactus. You don't really want... It's not very natural to do it because there's pain that comes from that. And yet to know that, there's, that through, through the pain that comes with the suffering... There is good that God will do. Um, uh, just, I'm reminded and want to remind you that, that Jesus himself, when he was in the garden, before he went to the cross, that he and his humanity was, so, was very honest before his God, before his Father, and he said, you know, basically said, if it were possible, I would want this cup to pass. That this is so big and so hard if it were possible for, basically, if it were possible to save your people, to save our people, any other way, I wouldn't do this, is what Jesus was saying. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, what? Yours be done. Yours be done. That, that, is, the, that is the heart that God wants to massage and develop within us, to where we look. We're honest about it. We, we say, okay, look, God, this, this looks horrible. And, and if there's a way out from underneath it, God, I'd rather be out from underneath it. But not my will, but yours be done. It's a sovereignty prayer that we do. Um, we embrace suffering when we understand that we're soldiers. Second Timothy 2.3 says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. If you're a Christian, no matter what your age, you are a soldier of Of Christ Jesus. Guys, life is a battle. It's a battle. Human history is a war. And that means if if you are a good soldier of Christ and we're to share in suffering, we're to embrace it, that means that the battle is actually furthered in the middle of your suffering. In the middle of it. Not just on the other side of it, in the middle of it. God is saying, I am doing something that is beyond you. When you're suffering, just listen to the voice of Jesus whispering to say, look, this is not just about you. It's about me and it's about others that I have around you. He he may even whisper, it's about somebody 15 years from now that you don't even know that this right now is going to bring strength to them and bring healing to them, bring freedom to them. Listen to the voice of the Spirit as He whispers in the middle of the suffering. Is it still still a time of suffering? Yes, you suffer. But it can be a a time of of sacrifice before the Lord. There is a purpose in it. And God is doing mighty things in you, and He's doing mighty things through you. So, embrace it. Secondly, is pray through it. Pray through it. James 5, verse 13 says this. Is any one of you suffering? Let him pray. Look at the rest of it. It says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. You know what that does? It takes, it takes the, uh, the extremes of our experiences and our feelings, our emotions and affections that are attached to those extremes and it takes both of them vertical. Man, when things are awesome, things are great, don't turn inward. Don't look at yourself because things are so great. Go vertical. Sing praises to God because things are so great. When things are crappy, when, when just the, the, the sh- last shoe falls off, don't go inward. Go upward. Get vertical and pray. Talk to God about it. It's okay. There, there's a, there can be a, a, a sanctified whining almost. You can go before the Lord and be honest before Him. Just say, God, what? I don't understand. I don't know why. And, and what about this? Because what happens is, is that you're engaging, you're engaging with your God about what you're going through rather than just worrying about it, rather than just being frantic, or rather than quitting or giving up. It means you're engaging. You're like, okay, God, you're, you're the wonderful counselor, so, so talk to me. Tell me what I need to know. And He will. Chances are... It won't be exactly... He won't tell you exactly what you want to know. But He'll tell you what you need to know. He'll reveal that to you. So pray. So embrace suffering. Pray through suffering. Thirdly, expect fruit from suffering. Expect fruits. Romans 5, 1-5. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now just hold on there. That just kind of prefaces things. And basically says, you know, we're justified by faith. And God's even saying in there, look, we've obtained, we've obtained uh, grace through God. We've obtained even the faith to, to get grace through God. God's the origin of all of that. God's the sovereign one. He's the one behind it all. Verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Now stop a second. Rejoice in our sufferings. Now i gotta, I got to teach myself here, because that is not natural for me, and it's not natural for you, and honestly, I don't think I do it all that much, you know, I mean, this is like a party season for the few families, like everybody, the five birthdays out of six are like, right crammed in about six weeks. Uh, um, it's more than that, but it feels like, it's like, man, it a birthday party, birthday party, birthday party, and it's like, man, we're celebrating, celebrating, and it's just awesome, and dinner, and presents, and all this, and we're inviting some family, and some friends, and over, and, and we celebrate, and celebrate, you know? but well, when's the last time I invited everybody over and say, like, you know what, man, I t- I've, I've got cancer, and I just want everybody to come over, we're throwing a party, you know? Well, that would be stupid, wouldn't it? You know, we, you're not going to do that. But as strange as that sounds, it's a big difference between my thoughts of what I normally rejoice over. It's a huge leap. There is that large of a leap, I think, that needs to take place in me and in you to where we do embrace the sufferings. And we rejoice, we rejoice in God in the middle of our sufferings. So, All right, God, I don't know exactly what you're doing, but I know you're sovereign, and I know you're good. So my celebration is in you. Let's challenge ourselves and let's challenge each other. When, when, I mean, let's not be trite about it, you know. Let's not be rude about it. um, But, but, man, when we're really walking with one another in in suffering and trials, to be able to say, I mean, to gently to say, how how can how can you worship and celebrate your God in the middle of this hard difficulty that you're walking in? Walk that out. So look, verse 3, Romans 5, 3. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's given it to us. You know what? I like that fruit. I I want that stuff in my life. I, I want... I want endurance in my life, and I want character in my life, and I want hope in my life. So, why is it that we don't always flow in those fruits? Why is it that, that those fruits aren't always evident in our lives? Because we want to get out of the suffering so bad. We press the eject button. Like, Man, God, just I'll do anything to get out of this. And sometimes, God, He'll even answer those prayers. And he'll, he'll end the suffering, He'll end the time in the crucible that's meant to produce those great things. And they're not produced. Because we press eject. Because we, we quit. So that's why a lot of times I don't have the fruit that I should have, And neither do you. It's because we're too quick to say, God, bring me back to a place of comfort. I think it's Rick Warren that said it years ago. God is not interested in your comfort. He's interested in your character. Character's only going to be developed through toughness, through God-working friction. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 6 also talks about fruit. That comes from suffering. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Why does God allow affliction a lot of times? First of all, is that it's an it's a catalyst for God then to be the hero. God is the one that rushes in, He's the one that brings comfort. And the comfort, a lot of times, it's not the rescue out of it, but it's his presence in it. That's the comfort. Not that they were ejected out of the circumstance, but that he's with us. Go back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's the hope. That's the beauty in the middle of suffering. It's not that they were not put in the fiery furnace. It's that Jesus was with them in the fire. He's with you guys. He's with you. God God is the treasure. He's the treasure. And if you've defined joy or peace or prosperity or success any other way, or with any other tag or name of thing or stuff or person or title or position, then you have an idol. An idol needs to be crushed. Crush it. Crush it right now. Identify it. you say, "No more, Jesus. I don't have to be chained. To this idol. This good thing, which has become an ultimate thing, has made it a bad thing. We can place it right back where it needs to be, to where it beca- can become a good thing again. Or, if it's a completely wrong thing, a complete rejection of it. But God's our comfort. He comforts us. And in the middle of Him comforting us in our affliction, then when others are in affliction, that gives us then the the tracks that we've walked through of God's comfort by His presence that we are able to be catalysts for that very same thing in people's lives and that they're comforted by God. Verse 6 says, If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. If you eject too soon or if you just quit throw in the towel, there's people, there's people on the other side of it, you're not going to be able to assist. You're not going to be able to help. But rather, if in the middle of the affliction, in the middle of the suffering, you say, God, I know that this draws me nearer to you. I know that this is not just about me. I know that there are others that, whether I, I touch them Specifically, or whether it's, it's I touch a per- person who touches a person who touches them, that there are others, God, that they will be affected by the victory that you bring in my life and just even not quitting. You don't have to be some superhero. But just that you should say, God, I, I'm willing to stay in this as long as you need for me to, as you want for me to. Can you say that for God? What a prayer. I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with saying, God, Please deliver me from this. There's nothing wrong with that. Please rescue me. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't look right. But in the middle of that, in a sovereignty statement, to be able to say, But God, don't take me out sooner than I need to. Do what it is that you want done in my life. I need to embrace suffering need to pray through suffering. need to expect fruit from suffering. And you need to know that God is waging a bigger war than you realize in the middle of your suffering. 1 Peter 5, 8 to 11. <clears throat> Guys, I, I hope, just, I know this is, we're, you're just getting blasted with a ton of scripture. But my, my prayer is that, that the, man, then when, uh, in the middle of suffering right now or when it comes next, that, man, these scriptures, they start popping up. The Lord just uses the the word being planted into your hearts. There's a battle going on. You've got an enemy. Verse 8, 1 Peter 5. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour him, to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Whatever you're walking through. It may have different bling, but different bells and whistles in the suffering kingdom. But man, people walk- they are walking through it right now. Right now. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever. God's a God that he brings restoration. He brings confirmation in your life. He brings strength into your life. And he establishes us to be able to press forward. Some people have said that, that, that God must be a small God if he uses us in his battle of Satan. I mean, you got that whole story of, of Job, right? Got that story where, I mean, it just looks I mean, if you you could look at it from a cynical viewpoint, you say, Well, man, Job's just a pawn in, in a chess game, you know, between him and, and Satan. I don't think I like this God just, you know, playing games like this. Let me tell let me tell you something that I first telling to myself. Honestly, if suffering was just about me, and it was just for me. I think that would probably be a small God. It actually brings me hope to know there's a bigger story than mine. It's not just about you. It's about God. It's about His story. And when we can, when we can just make baby steps month by month and just grasping that, then I mean, God will change your life and change your vantage point in the middle, in the middle of suffering. I believe this. I believe that our suffering... Is a providential butterfly effect for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. That when we walk through it providentially, there are ripples that will go out from your suffering, that it will affect way more people than the pain that it causes you as you walk through it. Romans sixteen nineteen through twenty also talks a little bit about the war. Uh, second part of verse 19. I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent and to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ Be with you. Guys, it is good news to know that God is going to crush Satan someday. But it's not just about that day. It's not just about the final day. It's not just that that God's saving up all of his strength and he's going to use all of his strength at that point and just take him all out right at that time. It means that even right now in the suffering that you're going through, just like in the story of Job, that God is winning even through your suffering that God is continuing to push Satan down, that he's oppressing and suppressing his own enemy as he is faithful in the middle of your battles, in the middle of your, your wars. Honestly, y'all, it would be enough for the king of the universe, our dad, to tell us, just, hey, suffer for me and suffer for my kingdom. It really would. If God, God is that big, Holly, he is that big, and he's that powerful, that if he just wants to declare to his children and to, therefore, his soldiers, look, just go suffer for me, you know, that he could do that. And honestly, man, there's no general that I'd rather go and die for or take a bullet for or rather suffer for than King, General, Jesus. There really isn't. But it's more than that. It's more than him just from a distance from, from far up in the clouds, you know, from Mount Olympus, just looking down and just saying, well, there's a little bit more for you and there's a little bit more for you. But this is a God that he didn't just say, you have to suffer. This is a God that said, for the love of you and for the rescue of you, I will suffer. Now, that is a tremendous God. Tremendous God. It pleased God to crush his own Son, Mark eight thirty one. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days to rise again. The Son of Man must suffer. Isaiah fifty three four to ten paints a picture. It painted it years before. It was a pro- it was a prophecy, but painted a picture of what was to happen to. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All the rebels. All the rebels. He took it upon himself. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living. Stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked. And with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence. And there was no deceit in his mouth. Now listen to this guys. This brings it all to the apex. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Jesus has said, take up your cross and follow me. God has said, I will suffer and will bring help and peace and freedom to you. And he's called us into that same way. He said, come, take up your cross. Come, suffer suffer for me and I will be with you and I will do great things for my kingdom so again when you pray I just challenge you guys pray and just say lord rescue me but also pray lord, pray lord crush me where necessary suffering you need to expect suffering you need to pray through suffering You need to embrace suffering as a tutor. Ultimately, you need to place suffering on the altar as a sacrifice of worship and say, be glorified, God. Lord, uh, help us. Help us to have a a strong...